The Way We Work is a podcast brought to you by Alexander Daniels Global, your recruitment partner in the additive manufacturing industry. My name is Julia Opria and I'm your host in this podcast. I'm also the director of Europe at AD Global. We are committed to helping this industry grow and our contribution to the industry is talent. We talk to high potential professionals on a daily basis and with this podcast we want to bring to you their stories, their challenges, and their approach to unknown territories. We hope you enjoy. Tuan is the Chief Revenue Officer at Arevo. He's one of the few people who has over 17 years of experience in 3D printing and who worked at seven well-known companies from the industry. In this episode, we speak about his personal journey from Vietnam to Denmark and then to the US. Tuan wants to share his experience with people who are now entering the industry and are at the start of their career. Listen to our episode to learn more about the power of your network, the courage to start something new, gratitude, and the importance of knowledge sharing in an industry such as 3D printing. Hi Tuan, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you for having me today. Thank you for being on the episode. Uh, this is 3D People, The Way We Work, our podcast at Alexander Daniels Global. And I'm really excited to have you in this uh, podcast because obviously you have a very interesting journey and you have a lot of experience in the 3D printing industry. Um, and I'm curious about all the things you went through and all the learnings that you've had so far because I think these are really valuable insights to a lot of people who are already working in the industry, but also to those who are contemplating on moving in from another industry or just starting out their careers. So um, I thought we begin at the beginning. <laughs> we start at the yeah. beginning. <laughs> um, tell us your story. Um, so I'm an engineer by trade. And I thought I knew a lot about technologies, but uh, when I came to America at a reunion party, um, I, my, uh, my now wife's friend's friend happened to be the financial controller at Zikor. Mm -hmm. And that was my first introduction to 3D printing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I often talk about 3D printing as my accidental passion because yeah. it wasn't something I pursue. I just stumbled upon it. I wasn't sure. Uh, but I did it and I fell in love with it. I had my Indiana Jones moment mm -hmm. when I uh, excavated the glue and powder on a Z-Corp machine uh, and had to pull out a ball bearing. And that glue and powder in 2D printing can now print a physical object in three dimension. That blew my mind. That was spring of 2003. And, and I said, this, this is going to change the world. It's going to be one of the things that will have a great impact on the world. And I want to be part of that journey uh, to do good. So, uh, it, uh, so I call it accidental passion because people also talk about passion that you need to find your passion. I didn't look for the passion. It was something I stumbled upon, but I think I made it my passion. I committed uh, commit to this passion of mine and uh, commitment in terms of, I spent the last 17 years in 3D mm -hmm. printing. Uh, always work for the manufacturer because 
I thought it was cooler to be with the manufacturer because you get to see under the hood what's going to be released and announced. So I thought that was exciting. So mm-hmm. that's how I got started by accident. Your accidental passion. That sounds really, really nice. Um, I think passion is something that's within us. We just have to recognize it. But of course, there are other ways of calling it, like finding it, recognizing it, what, whatever. But I, I'm a really strong believer that it's there for everyone. You just have to pay attention to it. And sometimes when you're open enough, uh, life presents you with opportunities which just click with that thing that's already in you. And it uh, seems like this clicked in you in 2003. Um, and you were... You but were I, want, I want to add to that though. So opportunities and and options and love can bring you those, but you also have to be brave to act yeah. and do it. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, I would not be surprised many people have had opportunities or uh, that could be life-changing, but they, they didn't take it. So mm-hmm. you also have to take it. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think bravery is or how would you define brave? Because I'm asking because there's so many people who uh, heard that they they heard that you have to be brave, but I'm not sure if people can really understand or identify bravery. Sure, I, I can share with you my definition of bravery. Mm. Bravery, in my opinion, is to do the right things, to do choose make the right decision uh, for you, for your values, for your upbringing, for your environment, for humanity do the right thing, but I can guarantee you doing the right thing is really the easy thing. Mm-hmm. It is also and always the hardest thing because it means you have to make a lot of sacrifices. Within the bravery is, do you believe yourself that, that you will make it, that, that you will survive? So give you an example, especially in 3D printing, there are a lot of startups. Taking yeah. a job in a startup, there is this fear, what if it goes down? Uh, <laughs> I actually went through this several times in terms of choosing a startup. Luckily, none of them had gone down. But, but I would say, I, 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 told to my, I told myself that as long as you learn, you never lose. Mm. So when you join a startup, as long as you learn, it complement your skill set, expand your network, make you a more all-round person, you never lose. If that startup doesn't work, it doesn't matter because you would have learned something. But mm-hmm. if you don't, then mm-hmm. you just wasted your time. Mm-hmm. But you also said something interesting that, that you know your values. So when you say you're doing the, what's right and that you're doing, you're living life or you're working according to your values. And that really sounds to me like you should be aware of a lot of the things that you believe in or your values. So it does take, bravery does require introspection or self-reflection in my opinion what do, you, what do you think about it or how are you experiencing this absolutely uh, you need to know yourself but you know people have different foundation that they start upon uh, to share mine when i look back uh, i mentioned recently in a very personal post on linkedin i saw I'm it yeah a boat refugee so when you are a boat refugee, knowing that in 79 and the following years that a million of people escaped by boat, I'm one of the boat people, and, and 40% of them died by, due to storm weather or pirates. Um, 
and then get to a UN refugee camp uh, Pulau Pidong outside of Malaysia to live in a camp on an island with nothing because you sold everything to buy the ticket to mm -hmm. get a chance for a new life. And most people don't make it, they have to do multiple trips. And then to live in the camp with 13 acres for 5,000 people and there are over 45,000 people living there waiting for your future. Most people went to the US, some went to Australia, some went to France. Um, but uh, my hope and dream back then was we, we wanted to go, everybody wanted to go to America. Uh, but uh, again, by accident, my youngest brother back then, we were three boys back then, he had an ear infection. He was barely one, so he needed medical attention. Mm -hmm. And the Dane said, why don't you come to Denmark? And we're like, where's Denmark? But it turns out to be the best thing for a refugee. Uh, the Danish, uh, Denmark uh, gave us so much. It's, they were so good to the refugees. And I wouldn't be who I am today without uh, the upbringing and the openness of Denmark. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I also gave back to Denmark in terms of military mm -hmm. service and National Guard. So I think from my perspective, when you have this hunger that you left behind something you could have been. I could have been a little Vietnamese kid on an ox on a rice paddy. I still have that image in the back of my mind. That is the life I was going to have. Mm -hmm. but because my parents chose to leave as gave, give the kids a second chance. I, don't, I have a duty not to waste that chance and really uh, well, make them proud and they made the right decision and, and make the most of it. So when you come from nothing, anything is possible. Then when you think about what is possible, then you, you gotta dream big. Because even if you don't get 100%, if you still get 80%, it's a hell lot more than 30%. Mm -hmm. As I'm listening to you, I get a lot of uh, goosebumps and I really appreciate that you are sharing this personal story. And um, this is so significant and I hear uh, I mean, it, it sounds extremely difficult. I can't really even imagine it. Um, and I hear a lot of gratitude um, in your, um, in, in when you're telling something, even, even before the podcast, when we're talking something that is, and I notice about you that I hear so much gratitude and it makes it so easy to communicate with you. And, and then I was thinking about, you're a really good networker and I felt about what makes you so good at networking you know and I think that it's your attitude to life this has to be something that that it makes it so so easy to connect with you and you're so relatable for me uh, so um, and then you are one of those people who know almost everyone <laughs> in the industry um, yeah and I was wondering if if you could uh, if you could tell us a bit about um, how you build your network or how you build your the, these new connections because obviously in today's world where travel restrictions are also in place i think a lot of people are wondering like how will i build my my uh, my relationships going forward mm -hmm. sure um i would say um i would say to, to your first comment i would say i i i strive very hard always to be great for. I don't take uh, things for granted. I'm always grateful for, for my experiences, for the people I meet. And I never forget where I came from because you can never decide where you came from. Uh, so with that, 
my 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 accidental passion was to grow 3D printing. I think it would be good for mankind. So that's the core mm -hmm. that it it could be uh, uh, a technology that could do good. And I want to help uh, the industry to grow. And um, 17 years ago, there was only two companies uh, with a 3D printer, industrial 3D printer below 100,000. There was only Stratasys with Dimension and Z-Corp. Mm -hmm. But for the industry to grow, it wasn't even a billion back then. Um, I think to answer your question, I like people. Um, uh, and I, I network with people. Um, I wasn't always an extrovert. I was actually an introvert because I was an uh, immigrant in Denmark uh, with tall Vikings, right? So I wasn't, I didn't blend in, but I turned it around to make, to look at myself as different and that's okay. I, I just like people. I like people's story. And I think that if you are authentic and mm -hmm. honest, then, then people, I think people can better relate to people. What you see is what you get. Too often today, you don't know where the other person stand uh, and they don't have a, a compass and mm -hmm. they, they, they waver. Um, uh, it's, I hope it's very clear by now to all people that I love 3D printing, not just for the employer who pays me, but I want to promote the industry from tissue medical to cement 3D printing, to build a colony on Mars, to glass 3D printing. So, uh, my posting that I share, I try to be diligent um, to share those. So to answer your question, um, when I lived in Hong Kong for two years, in 2006 to eight in Hong Kong, uh, my wife worked at Goldman Sachs. So she was working all the time. And she said, I was working for Z Corp. I was building Z Corp 3D printing channel network. And, and she was working hard, so I might as well do something. And I decided to be the most, I had this crazy idea to become the most connected 3D printing professional on LinkedIn. This is early 2007. And there were less than 12 million subscribers on LinkedIn worldwide, 12 million. Yeah. And I thought, what is the essence of LinkedIn? It's really a, a online Rolodex of all the business card, your resume actually. And the resume that can get you a job, well, it's gonna touch his heart. So I believe that that was going to be a very powerful platform. So I started sharing news and my journey through 3D printing. It is always minimum five posting a day. So I read a lot, I research a lot, uh, and then I just choose five stories. And in between that, I start to share my insights because when I joined, uh, I came in 2014. Mm -hmm. I went into metals for the first time, metal 3D printing. I didn't know the players. I didn't know the differences amongst the different metal technology. And I Googled, is there a tutorial or white paper or anything so I can ramp up faster? Uh, which industry should I go after? And I couldn't find anything. So this is when you're part of a, 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 an industry that is so young that there's not even a white paper or background or a prime, prime about the industry. So I start to share. And I find that by sharing, you know, sharing is caring, but you know, I find that so rewarding to share what I've learned and, and what I see, I try to dissect the industry. And when I meet a person at a trade show and they said that helped them to build a business or that helped them to get into this uh, new career change, that is something money can't buy. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, that sounds, 
And it also sounds like a lot of work. So yeah, I think you have to be really consistent. <laughs> I, uh, I, for instance, I don't post that often. I also don't have so many connections. Um, I usually do it when I have an idea that I really, really want to share. Mm. So you were saying that, that you believe that 3D printing can do a lot of good. And I wanted to look also at the other side of the coin. Do you, do you see how 3D printing can do bad? Uh, yes, absolutely, if it's not used correctly. Um, but the same is true for the computer. The same is true for the internet, right? It can do mm -hmm. good things and bad things. As long as the good things is uh, outweighing the negative. Um, mm -hmm. so, so, for instance, uh, a bad topic about weapons that... Mm -hmm. that we're talking about in recent years. Well, that has been possible 30 years ago with the laser powder bed, so that's really not new. Uh, but unfortunately, in my opinion, that got too much attention uh, mm -hmm. that it was not good for the industry. Um, so you would not, in my thousands of posts, see anything about guns because mm -hmm. I don't believe in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting topic to also to to think about. Um, so what I do is I, I outshine all the good things that 3D printing can do to minimize the, the uh, potential negative things that could be done. Yeah, when I, when I entered the, the 3D printing industry, which was just three and a half years ago, I remember there was, uh, there was this movie called Print the Legend. Um, yeah. And there was also a person who was trying to show the negative aspect of 3D printing, how he could take a file and print a gun and whatever. And I thought, what? <laughs> you can print a gun? It was so crazy at the time. Um, yeah. And I don't know, it's just curious, uh, trying to, you know, venture on all the aspects of, 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 uh, of an industry, of a, of a topic, and see, see what's, uh, what's out there. Um, what do you think is the next big thing for additive manufacturing? And considering the fact that there are travel restrictions in place. Um, so before we got into travel restriction, I would say in recent years, I felt uh, blessed that when you talk about World Economic Forum, they talk about the fourth industrial revolution and you look at the eight major technologies or trends that is going to emerge. And 3D printing is one of those eight, but the other pieces are automation, big data, uh, AI, um, uh, IoT in the cloud. Um, so when you look at all those uh, technologies, um, so what it means now is, is there will be a convergence of the weaknesses of 3D printing. So 3D printing is typically the hardware, software, materials, and then the process amongst that specific 3D printing technology. Now, when you blend that with the other ingredients of being in the cloud, uh, is secure storage, data management virtually, that means it is true what people have been talking about for uh, over, uh, over a decade about the 3D uh, facts, that when you move online, that with the COVID, you saw that that what carbon has done, that no matter where the carbon machine is everywhere in the world, as long as the collaboration is online and you share the file, anybody can download it. And then you have distributed manufacturing doing good. 
And I think the COVID situation actually highlight the, um, the enhancement improvement that could be done to the supply chain and how 3D printing can play a role in it, but also shrinking the supply chain and actually moving it back, uh, meaning that 3D printing can bring a white collar job back to the Western world, where with automation less manual, you don't need the cheap labor, affordable labor that you see in Asia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and also just re- reflecting on, on the stuff that you've said so far, um, what, was, what was this year, 2020 so far, a challenge that you've had um, in your work in 3D printing and um, what helped you to overcome it? Sure. So I joined Avrivo in March. Um, really at... Uh, wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. chance to get a job before there were no more jobs to get. Uh, so I'm responsible for, for revenue at Avrivo. And I had the same challenge as anybody, as all my frenemies in 3D printing. Mm-hmm. That is, I like uh, the frenemies. <laughs> How do you, how does a sales guy sell with no trade show, uh, yeah. no face-to-face meeting, no seminar, no webinar, no nothing, uh, and everything uh, is remote. And at the same time, cold calling is dead. So, yep. so we think all that is like okay. So there was starting to be you have to be creative, telepathy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You actually, Darwin said that the Darwin didn't say the strongest was survived. He said the fittest was survived. But what it really meant was the adaptability to the environment. So you have to adapt. So what I start to see is online conferences, virtual conferences. So I participated in the uh, the Link 3D, Rabbit TCT, uh, 3D native uh, virtual conference. Uh, it, it's going to move online. It was mer- uh, virtual. And I took that opportunity to get my frenemies in the composites world to come together. And together, uh, because we're the smaller technology group of composites squeezed between polymer and metal. And together, we did a, a panel how to get started with composite. What is composite? How does the different technology differ? So we were putting on our teaching hat, inspiring, mm-hmm. teaching about where composite fit in. And mm-hmm. I thought it was well received. So to answer your question, it has to be moved online. And if you're a sales guy and you're not on LinkedIn or some social media platform, uh, you're a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. You move to social selling. And because people, including myself, I don't want to be sold to over the phone. I want to be able to research whatever I need to, uh, for instance, a new 3D printing technology. And if Mm -hmm. I'm interested, I'll call you. So so for the challenge I had was what most sales guys, how do you find that needle in the haystack? Where do you find that prospect? And and my answer to that uh, was, uh, is the same as I had with when I joined Arkham in 2014 small Swedish startup selling electron beam out of it fusion in 2014 is you how do you find a needle in a haystack you do that with a huge um, a gargantuan magnet I was playing with words gargantuan has my name in it too and uh, but you have a huge magnet 
if you have that magnet, you will find that needle in the haystack. So the magnet is the metaphor I use for you have to be visible. You have to speak at the 3D printing conferences. You have to share your experience, share your knowledge. You have to educate what is the difference between electron beam versus laser beam. Uh, where does it fit in? What can it be used for? So I, that's one of the metal 3D printing tutorial that, that I created and shared mm -hmm. and floating around on the internet since uh, 2016. Awesome. And I've been, uh, been using that at different universities where I'm a guest speaker to inspire the next engineers. Um, so, but you should also do something good. Uh, so I, so my son is studied at a French immersion program mm -hmm. and they have STEM week and I volunteered to come in and talk to 200 fourth grade and fifth graders about the amazing stuff that 3D printing can do and will do. And that was a lot of fun. I encourage all 3D printing professionals to volunteer at your kid's school to inspire, especially girls. We need more women in 3D printing. Uh, and I had a table filled with polymer pot and the others are filled with metal pot because I work for a lot of 3D printing company. So I have my own museum and mm -hmm. the kids were playing with the skateboard and, and all these 3D printed uh, trinkets and they had a lot of fun. And I had a kick out of it but when one of the kids said, I want your job when I grow up. So uh, long story short, the school actually got uh, so much good feedback that they raised money and they bought a makeup art and created their own fab lab inside the library in the school. That's really nice. Would you, would you say um, that one aspect of the future of additive manufacturing is education and online communication? Yes. Um, the industry is still a baby. Before it wasn't even a billion and it just passed uh, 10 billion. I do believe that it has a chance to go to a real industry and mm -hmm. from a financial point of view, it's defined by at least 100 billion. And we will get there. And it doesn't really matter if it's 20 years or, or 50 years, it's, it's, it's gonna take time to get there. And mm -hmm. definitely we need to educate more people, but more importantly, we need to attract more talent uh, with an open mind, untainted by subtractive, uh, manufacturing technologies um, to to learn additive. So moving things online, inspiring more people, educating people because there's so many new technologies coming every year, every quarter. So it's kind of tough to uh, figure it out. In uh, it kind of get crowded and noisy. So who are the cool companies? Who are the real players? And who is just a smoke screen? Mm -hmm. uh, so relating to that, I'll start to do some uh, very public survey because I was so tired of surveys where you put into a black hole and then they give you the data. I don't trust that data. Mm -hmm. But when you link it with reaction, you can see what people vote and you can see very transparently mm -hmm. uh, what, uh, um, how to dissect the numbers. And so you can use, uh, so I would say LinkedIn has been a, an excellent platform to learn about 3D printing and a lot of the, um, groups within 3D printing and mm -hmm. I find what I love about our industry is people are really friendly. We have this camaraderie uh, that we want to do good by the industry and we are very open and welcoming to newcomers and we need more talent. So definitely LinkedIn is a good platform if you want to get into 3D printing to learn and join the groups and, mm -hmm. and 
surveys. Um, so this is a good advice for anyone listening or watching who is contemplating on entering now the 3D printing industry or who's now at the beginning of their career. Um, it's good advice to, to follow and to focus some time and energy uh, on this aspect. If I can add to that. Yeah, please. Uh, I wish that my professor, when I was in school, my engineering degree, I wish that they gave me a career advice as simple as try to choose a technology and industry that is growing. Mm -hmm. Like a 2D, a 2D printer versus a 3D printer. That you choose a career by purpose, that it has a chance to grow so that your career can grow with it. I wish mm -hmm. somebody said that because I just stumbled upon 3D printing. And another thing uh, I would say is, is uh, according to a few books, uh, for new technology, especially disruptive technology, usually it takes about 50 years to mature. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the, uh, the internet, it was actually in the early days done by universities and DARPA in the 1970s. And when you had this bubble in 2000, that's, then the internet's been 30 years old. And now in 2020, this is actually the peak uh, the prime of the internet and uh, and the beginning of mobility. So if you look at 3D printing, 3D printing is um, it's about 35 years. So if the peak is 15 to 20 years from now, mm -hmm. why don't you ride that wave? So being like a surfer, yeah. Uh, or if you listen to the hockey, the Canadian hockey player Wayne Gretzky, it, you're great if you run for where the puck is. Uh, you're good, but if you are the, the, the elite, well, you, you, you're going to skate to where the puck will be. So looking at the next technology, where it's going to go next, uh, it's definitely going to uh, help your career progression, but you have to do your homework. And mm -hmm. um, give you a little story. So when I joined a small Israeli company called Object in 2012, I had just come from 3D system. And uh, they were doing a research uh, in late 2012 about the metal 3D printing. Should object, should we get into metals? And mm -hmm. we started doing numbers crunching, look at the market uh, um, size. And I was part of that team and I uh, tallied up about a thousand. In 20, late 2012, there was 1,000 uh, industrial metal 3D printer in all its history. Mm -hmm. Um, if you look at Terry Wallace's report, it had about 50,000 mm -hmm. uh, uh, industrial. So I'm like, wow, metals versus non-metals is barely 2%. Mm -hmm. It became 3%, what it became 4%. So the fact that it had room to grow, uh, so I got really excited about metals because that's, the, that's where the puck will be. And I try very hard to get a job in metals because I didn't know metals. And I talked to Magnus Rene. And due to my LinkedIn posting, he was intrigued and uh, had coffee with me uh, to get to know me. Mm -hmm. And two years later, uh, he hired me when he had an open position to join him on his sales team for the US. So you have to know what you want, you have to network with your hiring employer years ahead. Uh, and when the time comes with the budget, you will get it. But it is, it might be, have been my accidental passion, but my career progression has been- It's not accidental. <laughs> yeah. It's not accidental. So yeah. when I joined Zcom in 2013, 
the following year, I met uh, Avi Reichenthal at DMS trade show in Tokyo. And I made sure he knows who I am. Another thing is you need to show the world, and now especially on social, what you can do so that mm -hmm. they think of you when they need somebody like you. And I ended up working for him six years later. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you very much. I think this is um, thought underappreciated, uh, this um, the connecting with people and talking to them and not, not reaching out to people just when you want something, that you want to want a job, but just get to know people. And, um, and then it can be, yes, that a few years later an opportunity comes up and then they will connect and see, okay, this is the person that we would like to have for this role. And it's, this is possible if you, if you um, uh, do it like, like you said. It's one of the good ways to, to achieve this. I also think it's really important. Good to have connecting with people. So it's, Most it's important thing. <laughs> can add to that. Um, um, I read some funny books, Who Moved My Cheese in My Past. Oh, I love that. But the same author, uh, Spencer Johnson, also wrote Peaks and Valley. And that was actually the that was actually the inspiration I got for my career planning. Mm -hmm. So Peaks and Valley is about, you know, people say it's easy to get a job when you have a job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Peaks and Valley talks about life will be peaks and valleys. But while you are climbing to your peak when you have a great job, you should network, you should plan for potential not necessarily backup network with where you might want to work in mm -hmm. the future. So mm -hmm. that when there's a recession and you get laid off, that you will actually bounce back faster. So your peaks and valley will not have the same height and lows, but actually it will be a minor drop and you keep excelling. So you mm -hmm. get a much higher peak faster by planning for your descent ahead mm -hmm. of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's also true for how, how people treat recruiters, you know, when, when you're doing well, make sure you treat the recruiters also well, because you might, you might need that connection, too. you never know. I agree. Um, yeah. Oh, um, yeah? One of the reasons why, uh, what I work on as a networker is, you network with people, you spend the time, not when you need something, because mm -hmm. it's authentic yeah so when people who have who can do nothing for me but uh, need some time and advice i'll give it to them some time and advice that's a warning to me but that's being honest that's being authentic yeah. we don't want to network and and when a friend needs a help uh, needs help you help them um, i have helped um, several people to get a job uh, without asking anything in return because it, it, it's going to help feeding their children and, and their families. So that's, that's doing good. So if you build up all this goodwill, not asking anything for return, hopefully something good will happen to you. Yeah, I think it always comes back. That's what my experience is. And there's also the saying that um, listen to others the way you would like to be heard. And I think that's so powerful because it speaks also to this genuine connection that you build with people and it's rare like when how many times you get asked how are you and they don't even look at you and they really don't want to know how you are so it's it's something that comes across you feel it you know it and 
um, you might not want to have anything to do with that person anymore because you know it's superficial and just boring. So, um, a lot of people come to you for advice, um, and you have already this uh, years, many years of experience in this industry. Do you have a mentor, someone that you turn to for advice? Um, in my early years, I, um, I read a lot of books and they all say find a, a couple of mentors. Um, I would say I don't have a physical person, mm-hmm. but it's more from in, inspiring leaders or entrepreneurs that I, uh, uh, you can read it for the knowledge that you don't have. So Richard Branson about um, taking the job and find out how to do it or Elon Musk do something that is good and enjoying doing it and doing it for the right and the rest will follow. So I would say I have heroes that, mm-hmm. uh, that I assemble to be part of who I want to be, who I work hard and live by. Uh, but uh, uh, it wouldn't hurt to have uh, real mentors. But, but everybody's so busy these days. But uh, read a lot um, and you can be inspired a lot. So I would say if you're serious about self-improvement, read biographies. Mm-hmm. Uh, because biographies is, is mentorship in a book that is mm-hmm. passed on inspiring leaders such as Nelson Mandela or George Washington. But one of the books that I enjoy was uh, the founder of Panasonic. And my inspiration uh, from that book uh, was very humbling, but more, I can actually tell you, I've known for two decades what I will be doing when I retire. So if you look at your life and you plan out, uh, so I was inspired by um, uh, Monosuke Masushita is, he wanted to help Japan. He wanted to give back to the country. He made a lot of money with Panasonic. And the way he did that was to inspire the next generation of leaders. So he created the Harvard uh, University, an institute for government and management and leadership to inspire the next generation. And, mm-hmm. and long after, 32 years later, one of his students became the prime minister of, mm-hmm. uh, of Japan. So this inspiration tells fuels me in my career progression, knowing that well, if I want to create the Harvard, the Institute, I want to groom, inspire, enable the future leaders of Vietnam, a country that hasn't given me much as a board refugee, I left. But that's still my heritage. That's still the way I was brought up. We were only allowed to speak Vietnamese uh, through my entire life at home with my parents. And so giving back to a country where Denmark for 23 years have given me a lot more. My personality is very Danish. Mm-hmm. And my- is very broad and global. My business career, my, my professional career has been very Americanized, uh, but I want to give back. So if I want to do that, I need a lot of money. I need a lot of connection. I need a lot of good professors. And, and to do so, I need to succeed to fulfill that, uh, that dream of mine to groom the next leaders of Vietnam. Uh, because I do love the country where I was born, even though I only lived there for five, six years. Um, so that, that kind of gives me a lighthouse of where I want to end. So you will find me when I retire as a, 
as a, a funny, goofy, 3D printing professor teaching about my experiences and to help other kids. That's what I will be doing. So that's my retirement plan. That sounds like okay. a really good plan. <laughs> oh, I have a, I also think I have a plan, but it's not, not fully, I'm still working on it, let's just say so. But I also contemplate sometimes on these kind of things. It's interesting. But you're wearing the Arevo t-shirt. Um, tell, uh, tell us something about Arevo. What is the team like there? And, and what's the next big thing for you guys there? Sure. So I joined Arevo because I think composite has great potential. Uh, mm -hmm. Arevo is a DED robotic continuous carbon fiber uh, 3D printing provider with the printer, the material. And, uh, and after 17 years, it became very clear to me that the challenge for the industry of hardware software, the Achilles heel, the weakness, the, um, the bottleneck is the software. Designing for additive, designing, making it easier, a more intelligent software, it's been lacking uh, because most of the um, 3D CAD software was attractive. But so I believe that the future of 3D printing, it has been much more integrated so that wouldn't it be nice to have a 3D printing software that is just not only a slicer to do the G-code, to do the extrusion. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to have a software that actually can analyze your uh, subtractive design and use uh, additive uh, stress analysis, FEA analysis, do topology optimization, morph and transform it for that specific 3D printer, for that specific uh, material with that specific setting for surface finish. It doesn't exist today except for Avivo. Mm -hmm. So the core contents of Avivo is actually the software. And I like 3D printing, I like the software, I like the robotic, because these plus uh, the digital twin, uh, and reality that is coming. I think uh, Arriva has a lot of the components that is uh, will be emerging in the fourth industrial revolution. So I hope to inspire people about where, what composite can do uh, between polymer and metals. So mm -hmm. and you will you will post about it for sure a lot. So you are already. Yes. Uh, and what about the team at Arevo? How many how many people are there in your team at Arevo? Uh, we we uh, we are about uh, forty people right now, but uh, we are in uh, expansion mode. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, the CEO and, uh, and I just joined recently this year, and he's also uh, Vietnamese. Uh, Sonny Wu was the founder of Misfit Wearable, and he sold it for I don't know two hundred fifty million to Fossil Watch Group. Um, and so now we're building a huge uh, print farm in Vietnam. Really? Uh, oh. The uh, uh, print farm in the world doing continuous carbon fiber to fast track. So to answer your question about what COVID has, uh, has meant to the business, a lot of customers is moving from CapEx to OpEx. So subscription will be the new normal for 3D printing. Mm -hmm. uh, but even if they don't want to have the equipment, just like uh, AWS storage in the cloud, you don't care who operates the server or where and how you just want to pay pay for demand how much storage you need so we think that uh, the future will be if you need composite part you will get it done you don't need to own equipment if you don't want to 
it will be made for you and shipped to you and you can do whatever we want you want so we are doing continuous carbon fiber print farm in the cloud mm -hmm. on the so you don't need to use capex if you need 10,000 bike frame next year, you will get it. If you need the next quarter, you will get it. You want to reduce, there's a downturn. You don't, people don't like that design. You only need 5,000. We change it down to 5,000. We reduce your capacity. So mm -hmm. demand will be the new future. Mm -hmm. Sounds very interesting. And I also saw that you're uh, growing the team. So you're also hiring a lot of people in Vietnam, also in the US. And I think you're in Cal California in the US, right? I yeah, mean, you are, you are on the East Coast, I know, but... Or no, you're in California now. No, I, my wife will never leave Boston. So I've always yeah, been in Boston. You're in Boston now, okay. But we're in Silicon Valley, uh, mm -hmm. where our headquarters will be, but the print farm will be in, in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so imagine uh, to do all this, you need to grow. So uh, mm -hmm. there might be interesting news regarding funding soon. That's exciting. Um, so with so many other companies out there also recruiting, there's always this, um, this question on candidates' mind, which is uh, in what sense can you say for sure that, that you are a good employer? Um, why, why should I work for you and not someone else? Um, that's an interesting question. Do, do, you, do you have that already figured out at this, at this stage? I mean, you have your own personal reason why you join, obviously, mm -hmm. but... So again, with the what future will be with the fourth industrial revolution. So, uh, so if you, so I joined a vivo for hopefully the same reason I attract other people is you want to work with the people, right? That they're, they're interesting. They have different background, uh, interdisciplinary, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a cool technology. And I think robotics is super cool. I never worked for a robotics company. I never worked for coming with a lot of software. So it has the ingredients mm -hmm. of material science, uh, very powerful software, not just CAD, but also uh, FEA and CAM feature, the, the tooth pass. So it has a lot of the interesting uh, component and the most interesting component is composite is underrated. People don't know about composite. So to grow and you just need to inspire people, teaching people about composite, it has a lot of growth potential. I was part of the inspiring people about metals for the last six years of my career with, with Arkham and Desert Metal. But I'm doing the same for composites. So if you want to, if you love composite, you want to learn something new, uh, most likely you have a, if you're from the industry, uh, you probably have metal and, and polymer, you don't have composite and you're not from the industry. Learning composite will actually get you a job later on because this is a growth area that is growing because what is interesting is this is the new vector, the new growth where composite has been, in, in the past, very manually uh, done mm -hmm. by layout, or you have very thick, uh, thin tape by robots. Mm -hmm. But Riva exists in between the, the mid size to large part, all full automation uh, with no labor. So, moving to automation robotic, I think that's, that's cool. And if you like to work for a startup and, and um, get to do a lot of stuff where there's no boxes, uh, uh, then you will have a lot of fun and you'll get a lot of freedom. Uh, I live by, I don't ask for uh, permission. I ask for forgiveness. Um, and I, the people <laughs> I hire, good advice. <laughs> and I want the people I hire to have the same uh, mm -hmm. because that's how you grow the fastest. But I have to say in, in hindsight, I will say 
I didn't get yelled at mm. that because as long as you do what's right for the company ahead of time, for instance, that there's no matter where before we needed a service team, uh, we had already snuck in a service talent to build our service organization. And I gave him the title application trainer, mm -hmm. but he had already built a service team before. So doing things without permission, actually I was told not to build up a service team because we haven't shipped yet. But I'm like, we need to hire, build up a team before we ship so we can fix it if we need to. Mm -hmm. uh, so I the risk of, I would say a few times uh, when you've done a lot of that and you don't get yelled at, then you, you know what, you get a little bit more confident, you do more of that. But, mm -hmm. but at some point you have to be willing to, to get yelled at, at, at and then you just ask for forgiveness. <laughs> This has been a great talk, but before we end our episode, I want to ask you if um, would you like to share something else that I haven't asked about, which you think is important for people to to know who are listening or watching us. Sure. So this morning I tried to recap some of the highlights or, or advices. So I have a few bullet points uh, to okay. help other people uh, to think about it. This is very personal. This is uh, what I have chosen to be my guiding principle. Uh, mm -hmm. Some you might like, some you might not, but I hope they're useful. Uh, one, uh, so here's a few of them. One is uh, dream big. Uh, dream of what you want to do three, four jobs from now. Dream, dream very big, have a direction and find a way. Even if you like math, you know there's always an end result. You need to know where you want to go and there will be many different ways to get there. So dream big, be brave, uh, take risk. If you're hesitant uh, and you don't know when you are ready, the answer is you will never be ready. So Nike says, just do it. Just do it, take the job and learn how to do it. Um, you gotta believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, why should anybody believe in you? So you got to fake it until you make it. You have to ingrain in yourself as if you've already done the job that you can do the job, but like a duck, you pedal like crazy underneath, you work hard every evening, learning things that you don't know. Um, try to have as few regrets as possible, meaning when there's a chance, be brave to say, just do it. Uh, it's a new project, just volunteer. No matter what, you're gonna learn something new. You're gonna meet somebody new. Uh, um, so if you learn something, then you never lose. So keep learning. Um, always share knowledge, but always be a student. If you don't invest in your own career every evening from 8 p.m. to midnight, if you're not spending those four hours instead of Netflixing and streaming and watching videos, but if you read executive book summary, sound view, executive summary from the greatest business book or communication book, you're not investing in your career. You have to do your part. Um, I mentioned that already. Don't ask for... Uh, Vision, just do it, ask for forgiveness later. Um, there will be defining moments in your life that will define you. Meaning there will be moments where you're like, I'm, I'm done, I'm gonna quit. Mm -hmm. Those are the moments that will dictate your career progression. You gotta suck it up and bite the bullet and, and, and keep doing it. Never give up, always keep moving. Never give up, but don't stand still, keep moving. Uh, you need momentum. You can never let go of your momentum. Um, those are the things, as, but also this one, this is from a Danish CEO that I read. 
it excel at what you have at hand. So you might have a career dream of being a CEO or something, but whatever your job, you have to excel at hand. Whatever your position is today, you have to excel at each job, at each step. So you want to climb Mount Everest. There are different base camps. There are different mm -hmm. steps. There are many ways to get there, but you got to do the step. You've got to do the work. You've got to do the exercise and practicing. Uh, and for networking, uh, and it, this also relates to leadership, authentic caring. Mm -hmm. People can tell if you care about them or not. Caring about your colleagues, caring about your coworkers, uh, caring about the team that you lead. It is not about being uh, in charge of your uh, team. It's really taking care of people in your charge. So Simon Sinek is also one of the heroes that I, I follow regarding leadership. You have to really care, authentic, really care, not pretending when it's late, when you are tired, but when somebody needs your advice, you are there for them. Um, so those are the few advices I would give that I've learned. Yeah, I can very much relate to the one you said just now, at la one of the last ones that care, care for your team and not, or be in charge of like, some, how, how was it again? Can you repeat that? So, so it's not about being in charge. Leadership is about uh, people that you, you in, in your, uh, that you're in charge of. Yeah, yeah, I can, I really like that. Thank you so much. This is, these are all really uh, very good, good points, good advices. And I, and I know that you have a story behind every one of them uh, from, from your experience so far. And yeah, I hope that everyone who's listening or watching us um, feels that they, that they got some inspiration um, to move into additive manufacturing or to improve something in, in what they're doing. Um, Tuan, thank you so much for being here today on the episode. And uh, yeah, we will see each other hopefully soon in person as well. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and I really enjoyed this conversation. Me Thank too. You. Thank you. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Alexander Daniels Global, your talent recruitment partner in the additive manufacturing industry. My name is Julia Opria and I'm your host in this podcast. Follow our LinkedIn page for more episodes and job opportunities in the AM world from the US and from Europe. Thank you very much for listening and stay tuned for more conversations from the 3D printing industry.